This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm your host today, Connor Dunn, and joining me are three fine journalists. Well, two journalists and somebody that stands behind the camera. Um, wow. On my far right <laughs> is Theo Squires. Theo, how are you? Not too bad, Connor. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. And Ian Doyle, how are you? I'm okay. I stand in front of the camera. Sometimes. Sometimes. Tr- try to get, up. <laughs> Not get away with doing it as often as possible, though. Yeah. And special guest who's been brought in yeah. for a different perspective on the games, Kai Delaney. How are you? I'm good. T- technically a video journalist, so I am still a journalist, just a different type. Okay, I'm glad you let everyone know. Anyway, <laughs> what a weekend it was for Liverpool Football Club. Um, first, they beat Bournemouth 2-1 on Saturday. And before we get into the finer details of that game, last night Manchester City lost 1-0 to Man United and Liverpool now 25 points clear at the top of the Premier League table. 2-0. 2-0. Oh yeah, of course. The final <coughs> Scott McTominay. final minute goal for <laughs> yeah. McTominay's half-footed, side-footed volley. Yeah. It's anyway. not going to make much difference, is it? What yeah. an exciting time this is, two wins away from the Premier League, Ian. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay, yeah. I'm feeling as though there's a chance that Liverpool might win it. Um, <laughs> Best you speak to Adam Jones or not in his little predictor. Well, yeah. Has he got them losing it? Uh, he had them losing it by five points. That's quite good going, isn't it? Even yeah. for an Evertonian. Anyway, going back to the... Uh, the yeah, it is... It's, it felt it's, massive, it, it, Let's be perfectly honest. We can kind of say this now, but we've known for a while that Liverpool are probably going to win it. But because everybody's so nervous about stuff that's happened in the past, that nobody wanted to say it. And Jurgen Klopp actually fully, he said something after the game <clears throat> against Bournemouth on, on Saturday. And he, he said something like, did a little, uh, you know, when we win the league, people will think this. And then he caught himself and went, sorry, if we win the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even he's, I wouldn't say he's getting carried away with it. None of the players are, but... You know, it's now, it's more a case of were Liverpool going to win it and when. And with the results that have gone, there's still a chance they could win it at Goodison on uh, next Monday, which would be interesting. I mean, obviously, City have got to drop at least three points in the, the two games they're playing against Arsenal on Wednesday and Burnley on Saturday. Yeah. But, you know, given the way that City appear to have, you know, not exactly thrown in the towel, but there's there's no doubt that if they were six points behind rather than whatever, whatever it was, 22 or 25, 25 yeah. going into the game yesterday, that there's no way they'd have put in a performance that they did. And I think, you know, United's had their tails up and they've got something to play for. I think City, other than the Champions League and the FA Cup, they're just coasting through the games a little bit. But that's not Liverpool's problem. Liverpool just had to to win the game against Bournemouth. They needed to win it for their own for their own sake and because obviously they lost three of the previous four with a big game coming up against Atletico Madrid, which I'm sure we'll touch on a bit later on coming up on Wednesday. They need to get three points. Uh, and, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a decent enough performance. I mean, I saw some people moaning about it. It's like, well, hang on. They've just come through the first tricky period of this season. They've beaten a team who are fighting against relegation. Exactly the same as, you know, Watford, Norwich and West Ham were in the last couple of games. It's not going to be easy. Even if, the, you know, teams down the bottom, you're going to get games like this between now and the end of the season. So you saw, look, Watford, what a surprise. They got beat at Crystal Palace at the weekend. You, that, that's what happens. They, they, they get themselves up for these kind of games. And I thought, Liverpool, although, you know, James Milner had a very good game, cleared one off the line, to, you know, in the second half. I don't think Bournemouth were particularly great. I don't think Liverpool suffered that much in the second half. Certainly when you compare to stuff that's happened you know, against West Ham, when you, you go further back this season, you look at Brighton where they were 2-0 up and Alisson gets sent off, then it's 2-1 and, you know, Alisson didn't play again, did he, against, against Bournemouth because he was injured, which, again, is something else I'm sure we'll mention a bit later on. But overall, you know, Liverpool is just now a matter of 
just get those two wins. It's, you know, you wrote a piece, didn't you, saying they didn't need to win another game, yeah, and now didn't. they definitely don't need to win another game. I think City are probably going to drop six points. Yeah. Nine, I, I think, think they could lose all the games, they'll still yeah. win. I think City have, have gone, and they're just already in terms of the league looking towards next season. Yeah, um, as a Liverpool fan, Kai, who has yeah. never seen Liverpool win the league in their life, I know obviously they were so far ahead after yesterday, but still United beating City still felt big, didn't it? It was, it's, it's going to be, it's one of the moments I think when people look back, it's kind of one of the final nails in the coffin, I think. Um, it's been done really for many fans, I think, since probably Boxing Day was the one where we beat Leicester 4-0. City then lost to Wolves the next day. Um, that felt like a big moment. And um, again, I think United at home was, but United being City last night, they're just so far behind. As you say, we, we can afford to lose so many games. We need two wins out of 10? Nine, two out of nine. Two out of nine. Yeah, it's, yeah I think it's... Um, They've lost like two in the Premier League in the last like 95 or something mental. Yeah, it's, it's just not going to happen. You see, there's been all the... Um, over the next few weeks, kind of City with Arsenal coming up this week and then Burnley. So they play twice before we play again. They could easily drop points in either of those games and then it just means we need Everton. If, if we beat Everton and... Um, what's the one after that? Palace. Palace. Yeah. It's done, isn't it? So it would be nice to get it done before the international break, I think, to to go into that with a full two weeks before we play City and then, then get the guard of honour at City would be a, a nice little touch. Win at Anfield, Guard of Honor City, mm. very pleasant. Anyway, on to the Bournemouth game, Theo. And I'm going to take it in chronological order because the first, obviously, big incident was Bournemouth's goal. Um, it's 100% a foul. Yeah, definitely. It's a foul. Um, Joe Gomez, he's not exactly a weak defender, is he? And he's been completely knocked off his stride there. It's just another one of these issues with VAR. It's like, what are the officials watching? How come? There's such a delay to like, look over it and then they don't give it when everyone's there just expecting it to be a free kick to Liverpool. The defence practically stopped, didn't they? So if they're thinking it's a free kick, like Bournemouth, the sheep's looking over the shoulders when it's gone in saying, well, surely this is going to be called back. Even they probably didn't expect to be given the goal. It's just another sorry episode in the shambles that has been video technology this season. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think in a weird sort of way, though, it kind of gave Liverpool a little bit of anger? I know it certainly gave Klopp some anger on the sidelines just to go on and actually really go and hammer Bournemouth for the next 20 minutes where obviously they scored two goals well in these last few games when they've not looked at their best they probably needed a moment like that to kick them into life and they're still not at their best by any means um, and it's definitely it did get a response out of them because they did actually start the Bournemouth game quite well really we were saying I remember Dolly was putting in the dock that this is quite a good start compared to what we've seen in the last few weeks and then that just killed it entirely it's like hang on this is against the script this isn't supposed to happen this is supposed to be Liverpool getting back to their best and everything and granted it's come from was it the centre-back giving the ball to Mane but Liverpool did need that moment a few weeks ago they'd probably scored more goals if we're really honest about it but it was definitely a win they needed yeah certainly so um Kai, I must mention one of the reasons you're here. Yeah. You are pitch side for every single Liverpool game. You're there with a the camera. You're yeah. pretty close to the action. What was the reaction like from the players when that goal was given for the VAR? Because obviously you're so close, you can probably hear what they're saying all the time, things like that. Yeah, I think it was a bit underwhelming. I think that is kind of where we'd miss someone like Jordan Henderson, for example. There was, especially from Gomez, there was so little reaction to the referee. He kind of looked at the ref and asked, you know, why was it not a foul? But it was, he didn't, you know, go about it. It wasn't in his face. He wasn't really pushing for it. But I think you know, Henderson would have been there. Would have, they would have certainly 
I know they checked it, but there, there was it was very under the radar. It was kind of nice. No, it's not a foul. Move on. But there, I don't think there was enough made of the fact. And I think if he'd have gone down, it's, it's one of those you shouldn't have to go down to get the foul. But I think if he had gone down and you, you're in the referee's face, I, I think you'd probably get it. Yeah. Where we were in the press box, you could see it was directly kind of like you know, opposite us. So mm-hmm. we could see the push, we could see the outstretched arm. And even when the play went on, everybody in the press box was just going, yeah, this will get called back. So they score and it's like, this will get called back. And we can see the, obviously the replays that the fans can't see, which again is another issue entirely. But we can see them going through the replays and we can see them looking at the push. And they moved on to the actual second bit was the offside. And we're thinking, hang on, he's going to give this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he wasn't offside, even though that was a borderline goal as well when, when Wilson actually puts it in. So there was a kind of sense of like disbelief, kind of amazement. You know, it, it didn't seem right for about 10 minutes. And Klopp said afterwards, he thought even the Bournemouth players thought, hmm, what's just happened there? And it did affect the game. The lad started well. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain played very well. He brought a bit of oomph to the midfield, which perhaps was missing in the last couple of games. But, you know, once... It's interesting, isn't it, that the two goals that Liverpool scored came, what I'd call old school Klopp goals, and the fact that they kind of pressured uh, Bournemouth into really making mistakes. High, yeah. yeah, yeah, they got a pie. And I know the first one was Mane uh, blocking. Was it Jack Simpson? who would only just yeah. come on. I mean, we were at Bournemouth, weren't we, for the the away game before Christmas, and Liverpool started okay. It was nil nil, and then Nathan Ake went off. Yeah. Simpson came on. It's just unfortunate it was him again. <laughs> he didn't make any mistakes, but it kind of unsettled the defence. And Liverpool benefited from that again. So that was you could argue that's a bit of a stroke of fortune. Although I think Cook, Steve Cook, got injured while trying to catch up with Firmino for the chance just before Liverpool equalised. So it was arguably a piece of good play got him injured, as it were. But uh, the second goal, Van Dijk steps out, puts in a great pass and suddenly manages in and how many times have we seen him go through and he's he kind of painted that finish, hasn't he? That just you know opens his body so puts it into the bottom in. yeah. the bottom corner. And after that, as I said before, I didn't think Liverpool were bothered that much. And you know, they may as well save the goals for for Wednesday against Atletico Madrid. You know, Firmino could have got one Manny at the bar. And when you actually write down the chance that they had there's no, it's like every Liverpool game. Yeah. the West Ham game. It's like it's every, a, a load of chances. Have Liverpool had a game this season that they've won where they didn't deserve to win? And the answer is no. And have Liverpool had a game this season where they didn't, where they lost, where they didn't deserve to lose? And you'd say no. And have to, how many games have they drawn? About two, two or three. United, yeah. United and Napoli, I think. Yeah. 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 And did they? And Shrewsbury, did they deserve to draw them? Yeah. So it's weird in this sense. This season, absolutely every result that Liverpool have had in their games has been the one that it should have been. You don't always say that. Yeah. I'll ask you just one more question on the the defensive issue and the kind of the VAR call. If that is ruled out, and it goes back to your point really about Bournemouth not really offering, I didn't think a lot. Hmm. I think Liverpool keep a clean sheet. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know um, Adrian had to make the save from... Nathan Ackie the head as soon afterwards, but that Liverpool were a little bit, not all over the place, but they were still a little bit affected by what happened. And I think there was another shot from, was it Stanislas who kind of did that kind yeah. of save where he saves it, but it doesn't look particularly convincing. Yeah. But the point of goalkeeping is to keep the ball out and he didn't push it back into danger. So you can't criticise him too much for that. And I said there was the one uh, incident in the second half where Fabinho, which I know we're talking about him in a bit, he, we seemed, were, yeah. he seemed to forget <laughs> that there were other footballers on the pitch for a minute and... That allowed Bournemouth to win the ball back in a dangerous area. Ball goes over the top, you know, uh, Fraser lobs it over and then who's there? The 97-year-old James Milner racing back on his Zimmer frame to to try and, you know, rescue the and successfully rescuing the situation. I mean, it's funny, but at the time you just think, oh, he cleared it off the line, well done. It's only when you see the replay a couple of times and you go, hang on a minute, he's proper made full up the spring, ground there stretch. and he's in in mid-air no. and he's full stretch got and he's got in. it off for a throw-in, <laughs> yeah. So, that as well, so you watch the replay and you see Van Dijk's basically given up because like, he's just slowed down yeah. thinking this is going to go and Milner's still somehow got it off the line. 
Seems a great play. I mean, and, and I, I know Kai said perhaps Liverpool missed Henderson a bit, which they did in terms of leadership, but Milner was the one who they've also missed. So they've had the captain and the vice-captain missing for the last couple of games, and it's shown, it, for instances like that, when Bournemouth scored the goal, perhaps Liverpool were a bit shell-shocked. You can imagine Henderson would have been, as you say, in the yeah. referee's face. And, you know, and they're going to need that on Wednesday they because Atletico Madrid are just going to be... Which, to be fair, I quite like Atletico Madrid. I quite like the way they play football. You'd never guess that. Just winding up people. I enjoy watching <laughs> that. Just like poking people, just like prodding them until they have a reaction. But what's the best reaction to all of that? Score goals. That's what Liverpool did against Bournemouth. That's what they're going to have to do on Wednesday. Yeah, certainly. And obviously the two goal scorers were Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. Um, I'll talk about Salah first, Theo, because he has scored 70 goals in 100 Premier League games. He scored 20 goals in three consecutive seasons, first player for Liverpool since Michael Owen. And obviously 32 of those Premier League goals came in his first season at Liverpool where you think he wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, okay. Can you just give me a note on really, he has been sensational, particularly considering he's putting this output from the right wing. He's not an out-and-out striker. I think he's maybe been taken for granted a little bit this season just because of such a wonderful last couple and Mane's brilliance, but just a word on Salah, if you will. Well, this season, we've looked at Mohamed Salah and thought, it seemed like he's not scoring as many goals yet. He's now, what, one off leading the charts again. Yeah. This is just the consistency he delivers. 70 and 100 is astonishing. Granted, it's not Ronaldo and Messi figures. And that's probably what you now expect from those elite players. But how many players do go and get a goal a game? Or two goals a game, whatever. He is probably Liverpool's best Premier League player. I'm going to go and say that now, like up there with Steven Gerrard. Luis Suarez but he's the one who's going to have his hands on the Premier League title at the end of it that's a big shout isn't it better that's than it. Gerard and Suarez well, come on to he's that. going to have yeah. the impact isn't he Like you get, he's getting the returns isn't he and if you think you're looking at this in five, ten years time when you think of Liverpool's great Premier League moments who's the striker forward whatever you want to call him who's got the goals that's helped win the Premier League title Mr. Hamas Salah is that talisman in that team it's more than Sadio Mane even as Sadio Mane's produced these uh, more magical moments this year but whenever Liverpool aren't at their best or Salah's not at their best you still expect him to deliver goods, get the goals when you need them. And that's, you've run that many Why times. Never get subbed? Why, Why never, never get subbed? subbed? Yeah. Got and the moment in him. We yeah. saw that yesterday. Like It was a, well, yesterday, Saturday, sorry. It's a poor pass from Sadio Mane. I reckon if Liverpool were in form, Mane probably goes alone. He shoots himself. Uh, he's picked out Sire and he somehow recovered the play and then found the bottom corner with a really, really good finish on his stronger foot. And he's, that is the quality that he offers this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kai, Mohamed Salah. Best Premier League player for Liverpool ever? I mean, Theo, Theo's point that he's going to be probably the top scorer the season we win the Golden Boot, that I think that puts him above Suarez. He's already beaten Suarez's record for the 31 goals. Um, I think he's a player that probably will be looked back on more fondly than he is now. Um, I think if he'd... He's almost had his Liverpool career the wrong way around. If he'd have had 20-odd goals season one, a little bit more season two and this year if he'd be if he'd got 44 goals this season and kind of kept climbing that that chart I think fans would appreciate him maybe more um, I also think if you, if you look at him compared to the kind of legendary iconic status that people like Suarez and, and Torres had at their time they were probably the only they were the kind of only world class players we had aside from the Alonso's and the Gerrards Torres was the focal point of that team Suarez was pretty much the driving force of 13-14. I think Salah is a cog in the best team in the world. 
you've got Mane scoring 15 goals a season, you've got Firmino, you've got all these world-class players. So it's not all on Salah. I think with Salah, it's almost become a victim of how good Liverpool are. So in that first season, teams didn't sit back and defend as deeply. Um, they weren't as hard to break down. So you think of like the Roman games, the prime example, how much space Liverpool got in behind that defence for him to tear them apart. They got so many goals. That game, you thought that was before he was good. Before yeah. he was good. Yeah. Before he had the ego on him because <laughs> everyone knew how good they were. That is really since the two years since then, teams have to be a bit smarter when they defend against them. Liverpool have to create chances in a different way. And then that's more from the crosses rather than racing in. But how many times did you score 17-18? Salah, one-on-one, he scores. That's probably why he got the 44 goals. And it's showing that he's still getting 20 to 30 goals when he's now got two men, three men kicking him yeah. left, right and centre. He's a quality player. Having said all that, what would Suarez and Gerrard be like in this team? And you'd then... then, <laughs> then you then, yeah. Suarez in yeah. this team. Then it's like... And then Ger- Gerrard. So it's, it's hard well, to compare. Suarez is doing at Barca, wasn't he? So well, exactly. Exactly. So... Do you put Suarez in ahead of Firmino in this team? In this team, you can't really. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because of the way that they. Exactly. We're not going to go down that road because we haven't got enough time. We'll be here all day. But you know, it's very subjective about how good a player is. But you'd have to say that in terms of the numbers, that Suarez, sorry, Salah is Liverpool's best foreign player that's played. You take the point, isn't it? That, you know, he, he's scoring the goals, but the also there's something era, to show at the end of it. There's, there's well, there's that as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's scored, scored in the Champions League final. League scored in the Champions League final. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's a it's a big debate and one for another day. But another player I want to mention is is Mane because I think particularly this season and especially since probably the winter break, I would say he's been maybe Liverpool's only consistently excellent mm. player. Um, he's going to be a big, big difference against Atletico as well, isn't he? Especially given he got subbed at our time last time, which I wrote something last night that suggests that, you know, you can't say that Mane is much of a surprise package, but Atletico only played half a game against him. And then for about 10 minutes of that, he was just not happy about where things were going. So they, they, it's like, yeah, they got rid of him that game and got 1-1-0, one, one really but then they haven't really yet. played against him. Yeah. So, and you, you know, it's funny, isn't it, that you, you think you know a player or, you know, you, you think Sadio Mane quite unassuming and you know he's very very laid back and stuff like that certainly from when when you see him on television but you know Andy Robertson said it you've seen one or two examples recently that he gets he's got a bit of a temper with him like all the best players you know you think of Zidane possibly not as much as Zidane like he's not going to go around headbutting people but he's got a little bit of an edge to him and I think that's why obviously why he got substituted against Atletico because Klopp thought they're just going to try and wind him up here and get him sent off and it wasn't so much that he didn't trust the player he didn't trust the ref yeah. to not deal with the situation and rather than make a situation worse he just made that decision I'm pretty sure that if the same thing's happened at Anfield on Wednesday he will not be subbing him at half time no chance because yeah. he knows what he can bring to the team and yeah you're right he's he's somebody that you know got the winner against Norwich winner against West Ham winner against Bournemouth that's three winners he's the only one that's carried on his form throughout that period and he will have a bit of a point to prove because, you know, again, you look at the, uh, what was it, Robertson was talking about the Club World Cup final where, was it Rafinha went after him? Yeah. And he said, like, don't worry, I'll, I'll sort him out. I'll sort him out. But yeah, so in, in, in a sense, you know, that's good in terms of the camaraderie of the, of the players as a team as a whole. But that Mane, who's already in good form, had a great season. And I think Mike, him and Henderson are for the player of the year for me at the moment yeah. unless somebody does something insane like maybe Salah scores about 15 goals in the last <laughs> 9 or 10 games then might change things a little bit but they're the two best players and Mane will have a point to prove against Atletico and I think that 
if he ends up being the one who scores the goal that puts them through, I wouldn't be surprised, not least because he's got such a good record in the Champions League knockout stages. What yeah. will be really interesting on Wednesday is uh, Trippier's back, isn't he? So he's going to yep. be against a player he knows well. He's got the better of countless times before in the past. And Trippier, you're not going to be expecting to be as much of a wind-up merchant as the rest of the players just because it's not the English way, is it? If we want to go down that line, it's a more honest approach. So um, just going that would probably be the key uh, battle I'd expect in that game just because Trippier, he's a big miss for them. He's been such an inspiration for Atletico this year, getting his assist, crossing and that. It's why he's gone to Spain and he's got back in the England squad as a result of it. And he'll have a point to prove, having lost the Champions League final with Tottenham, it's the first real chance that a big English-British audience is going to be able to see him in action and not justify the move, but show, yeah, I've come on leaps and bounds here. And if Sadio Mane can do what he's done against him countless times in the past, it just shows how good he is as well. And Manny's obviously profited from all the we mentioned before about the attention put on Salah. That's why he's ended up being able to get all the goals that exactly get the goals that he's got. And if they're all now going to be big attention on Manny for this uh, this game, then perhaps Salah will get a bit of space and see what he can do. So this is the problem that opposing teams have got and Liverpool don't have. So Firmino hat trick on Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, set to be some interesting battles, and we'll come on to Firmino in just two minutes. I'll ask you, what was the mood like pitch side? What was the mood with the players when they scored both the goals? Was it kind of relief? Was it celebration? Was it how was it? I think the as Doyle touched on earlier, the referee decisions, that just helped the atmosphere. I think Klopp's famously not a fan of the uh, Anfield atmosphere in the 12.30 kickoff. He actually came after the game and said it was the best 12.30 atmosphere since his time at the club. But that, that was helped massively by the uh, by the, the ref and the, that Gomez non-foul. But um, I think once, once that first goal went in, that there was never any really doubt that they were, they were going to go on and, and win the game. Yeah, some more positives to take from the game before we move on to a little bit of the bad. Um, Oxley Chamberlain, I was sick with you here, Kai. I thought he started incredibly brightly, gave Liverpool a lot of impetus, as Doyle has mm. already said from the midfield. And he looked like somebody who was actually going to make the difference in the game. Yeah, he's 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 the one, isn't he? With Henderson out, it's been kind of a battle between him and Cater for that spot. And obviously, Cater had had one game, didn't play particularly well, and then was out injured as well. Um, Chamberlain, if if you're looking for someone to you know, unlock a door. He, he's the creative midfielder in the squad, isn't he? Um, I don't know whether he'll play against Atletico. I mean, we'll come on to that, but... We certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> How did you make of his performance? I thought he was good. Um, I think he's been somebody else who's been a... I've said this before many times on this podcast. You never get a really bad game out of Oxlade Chamber. Certainly not this season, but he's never absolutely brilliant. He's always like... Six and a half, seven and seven and a half, possibly sometimes an eight. And perhaps Liverpool have needed that over the last couple of weeks. And, and the first half, he did make a difference because he was the one in the early stages who was taking the game to Bournemouth. And the other players feed off that, especially when you've got other midfielders in the team that aren't perhaps reaching their level, which unfortunately Liverpool have got at the moment, which we may as well deal with that now then. Well, I want to speak about Firmino first. All right. Yeah. We kind of get progressively worse as we go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll come to you. I'll come back to you. Um, okay. Because we've been talking about Salah and the brilliance and Manny and the sensational levels he's been at, but somebody who has certainly not been at a fine level is Firmino. Um, it's a little bit of a problem at Anfield, I think. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's been terrible. I don't. I just don't think he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, he didn't particularly lose the ball that often. I don't think on at least to, to my eye on uh, on Saturday. Although someone will now be listening and get called up the, the who scored stats. It would be like he lost the ball more than anyone else, you know. But I'm just on about you know from generally speaking from what you see, it wasn't as always losing the ball all the time. It's just that everything just seems to be a bit 
on the edge in the terms of it was just passive were just coming through. I mean, he, he had two really good chances, didn't he? The first one was a good save by the keeper. The second one he should have scored, yeah. which was the same at Norwich, wasn't it? He's got the had one right near the end where he should have scored. And, West Ham too, he had a couple in that one. Oh, West Ham as well, yeah. So, for the podcast, had 50-odd shots now at Anfield this season and not scored. So. That's, I mean, he's got close with quite some of them and less close with most <laughs> of them. But is he a problem? No, because there's no... I mean, who are they going to play instead of him? Who are they going to play? The only, the so only I asked you the question. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ari can play down the middle, but he's been massively out of form lately, which mm. is unfortunately what happens when somebody doesn't play for a long time, which is an issue that Liverpool have had all the way through Klopp's. And, you know, even before then, it's like players coming in, but certainly under Klopp because of the way he likes rhythm and the way and teams play in a particular way. Minamino's not ready for that yet, I don't think. The only thing they could do is possibly put Salah in the number nine, which they've done, play 4-2-3-1. And then you've got the choice, do you play Firmino in the number 10 role or somebody else and just give him a rest? I mean, then it's like, does he need a rest? Because don't forget, it was in December where he was absolutely amazing yeah. for about a month. He did really well in the Club World Cup. On either side of that, he was having a very good game. He scored twice at Leicester, I think. I think that's right, isn't it? He scored twice yeah. at Leicester in the 4 0 win, which effectively won them the yeah. league, which I'm sure we'll look back so at like that. Three yeah. assists against Southampton as well. It's really yeah. good in that one. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like it's been terrible all season or even, or even you know, the last couple of months. It's just the last few games. And because he hasn't scored in nearly, what was it, nearly it's 11 months, isn't it? Nearly 11 months at home. Uh, in fact, it's more than 11 months, isn't it? It's a year now, isn't it? Yeah, it's it coming up to be March the 31st. Yeah, I think so. So it's coming up to a year at home, which is insane when you're talking about a number nine striker for a team that's won 27 to 29 league games, has won the European Cup, has also won the Super Cup and won the Club World Cup for their number nine to not score at home in all that time is slightly strange. But if you look at his goals and the ones they scored away from home, nearly all of them have been important to either first goals or winners. So he's not going to get dropped it's whether or not he just needs a little bit of a rest. I don't know when you're going to get there. I mean, if Liverpool get through this, perhaps there will be a scope for Liverpool to start resting some players because you'd like to think they might have the league sewn up by then. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We were saying it in the office on Saturday, it's probably the worst time for Shaqiri to be injured because when Liverpool weren't at the best last season, that's when they went to the 4 2 3 1. That's when you saw the best out of him. But, but maybe that's why Minamino's here now. Then maybe mm. they are going to give him a bit of a run. And you could even say Rigi, but as I say, he's out of form. It's interesting with them at the moment because whenever you have the Liverpool team drop and Minamino's in it, Rigi's in it, you're always expecting Rigi to be the striker, Minamino to be out wide. And that hasn't happened at all, has it? It's always been Rigi on the flank with Minamino as the false nine. I think well, that's probably what Klopp's seeing now does it mean he doesn't really want Origi as a striker or does, he doesn't really want Origi full stop yeah he was Minamino as the number Minamino. nine yeah interesting to see what he's going to do because I mean, it's going to be games that effectively don't really mean anything you can play him in both can't he there's going to be opportunity isn't there yeah. well, once the league's sewn up especially if they're still in the Champions League um, they'll be rotating in the, the league games the only thing is if maybe they go out of the Champions League Klopp's got half an eye on that record he might stay with his full shot. And, and I'd imagine Manny and Salah will say, I don't fancy being dropped this week. I've got that golden yeah, boot to go for. Yeah. 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 Just go and share it again. Yeah. We obviously know all of the qualities Firmino offers and there are obviously no question of him getting dropped. But the point Doyle's made there and it's absolutely right. If he does need a rest, they just can't give it to him. Not when you've got a league up for grabs. No, because he is not Mr Liverpool but he is the one that makes them tick if you go to any fan coach pundit whatever across the planet and you say first player you think of when you think of Klopp's Liverpool it's Roberto Firmino he is the reason why Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah get the goals because he's just impossible to mark he pops up all over the pitch and he's we keep saying it with Salah and Mane you take them for granted for how good they are just because of that quality but Firmino's exactly the same here he might not get the goals why does he need to get 30, 40, whatever insane numbers you want when you two wide men are? 
if you think back to, let's say, the great Chelsea team under Carlo Ancelotti, when Drogba was getting loads of goals, the wingers weren't getting goals in that team. And it's just how football's developed in the past 10, 15 years that those roles are reversed. The striker's now got to be more all-round for the wingers to get them. It probably comes from Ronaldo and Messi. But for me, no, you're not going to drop him when he is your most important player. He's not measured on goals and assists either, is he? I don't think that's what... It's not what he offers, though, is it? He's, no. he's a lot more than that. That's probably the point I was he has trying got, to make, He has got really. more assists this season than last season already, I think. I think that's right. It's just in terms of, as I was saying, if he needs a rest, you can't give him a rest because he is so important to this Liverpool side and maybe then he's coming under a little bit of criticism not performing at the peak of his powers, but they've not really got a lot else to, to back that up. Well, it's the debate as well with, um, with these things with Timo Werner. It's like, well, if you want someone who's going to come into that front three and be the quality option or the alternative... How do you fit them into that team if they're not offering what Firmino does? There's almost that fear that Liverpool without Firmino is not going to be as effective. It's probably the biggest compliment you can give him. Uh, it's just, what, he's one of those players, he's like Van Dijk, he's like Alisson. You just can't drop him when he's available. Yeah, certainly an interesting one. Another one that we can probably discuss at <laughs> a million lengths, but I want to move on. And it's finally time to talk about a certain Fabinho. Mm. Fabinho obviously was playing superbly before he got injured and it's worth mentioning that it was his first ever injury in his career that he's missed more than one game so you never know how a player is going to react to that but since the injury he has had well, he's featured in 10 games he's played a fair few 90 minutes and it's fair to say Guy it just hasn't happened for Fabinho has it? No he's, he's not been the same player since he came back I think as you rightly say, before the injury, he was arguably Liverpool's player of the season. Um, if he'd have kept that form up right the way through, I don't think anyone could have argued with even PFA player the way, the way he was going. Um, Henderson dropped into number six, didn't he? And really, Liverpool, up until a few weeks ago, they didn't look back. Henderson, and I think in a way, that's that might have impacted on Fabinho a little bit. The fact that Henderson's just, he stepped straight in there. Um, they didn't miss him at all. I think they won every game while he was out. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's taken a while to get back up to speed. Uh, I don't know what's going to, again, d- does he does he play coming up to Atletico? I don't know. Do you go with Henderson in there? Um, his form over the last few weeks has certainly been worrying. There was the goal um, against... Chelsea, Ross Barkley just seemed to breeze past him. Fabinho's kind of jogging and it wasn't really there. Um, it's, it's certainly been a concern since he came back. He's Fabinho himself has spoken earlier this season about needing to become more of a leader at Liverpool. Have you noticed any sort of change in him before and after his injury? Obviously, you're so close to the action and stuff. Have you kind of, has he shrunk a little bit? Is he less loud or has anything happened that's noticeable or is it just quite simply he's not up to the pace of it yet? I don't think he's ever been the most... A vocal player anyway. He's not one you see like a Van Dijk or, yeah. a, or a Milner or something who are kind of leading on the pitch. But he, he's one of those that goes about his business quietly but effective. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's a big presence. He's a, he's a physical presence on the pitch. Um, I think there's been less of that. You, I can't remember in too many games recently any big kind of big saving tackles or even with the, with possession, he's not dictating play, playing the crossfield passes like he has been. Um I just, I just think he's he's had that injury, like I say, it's the first one he's had for a long ever in his career, um, and it's just going to take a few weeks for him to get back up to speed. 
It almost seemed, and as Kai pointed out there, Liverpool won every single game and Fabinho was out. And obviously he was eased back in. I think his first game back was Man United. He had, had 25 <coughs> minutes or so. And then he sort of was eased back in. The first few games were written off. He was getting back up to speed. Fair enough. And then obviously Henderson gets injured against Atletico Madrid. And it would almost have seemed that Fabinho was perfectly poised after having a few games to step back into his number six role and, and make that his own, as we've seen all of the centre-backs do time after time and other people on the pitch. But just it just hasn't been the case, has it? I think he looks unfit um, and that's obviously come from being out for so long because if you remember when he first joined arrived at Liverpool it took him ages to get back mm-hmm. up to the to get used to the the speed of the game and and you know the, the te- intensity and stuff like that but he always looks as though he's out of position at the moment like a number of times you've seen recent games where the opposition being on the attack and normally expecting Fabinho to be there in front of the centre-backs and he's somewhere over here on the wing it's like what's he doing over there and it's like has he forgotten where to go but I just think it's to do with he can't physically get there and I don't know whether that's because he's still feeling the effects of physically feeling the effects of the injury, or because he's had such such a long time out. He's got that kind of, you know, fit, fitness that he can't just turn it on and off, or it takes a long time for him to get up. Because you say he's never used to being injured because he's not had that before, so it's been a bit of a learning curve for him. But having said that, that's all very well. But as you said, he's had ten games now, so now it's like. Okay, Henderson so might like probably be back time. and Cater will probably be back. And Milner is clearly desperate for more game time. And Wijnaldum is there and Lallana's you know, played a couple of games. And Oxlade-Chamberlain, look, suddenly, hang on, there's suddenly loads of midfielders here. I don't necessarily, this is Jürgen Klopp speaking, not me, I don't necessarily have to play Fabinho, particularly in a game against Atletico Madrid where we're probably not going to be massively defensive we're going to need to have players who are going to unlock this defence while also being able to get back. So it's a big shout for him, especially when, you know, if they do get through or regardless, they've got these games coming up in the Premier League where they can afford to, okay, we can, we don't necessarily have to win average, absolutely every single game. We just have to win a couple. Let's just try something a bit different. We don't have to play for being if he's not back up to speed, play him here and there. And then, you know, it's up to the player himself, isn't it? Basically. I mean, Klopp will see him training. We don't see him training all the time. He'll know what he's capable of. But the positioning for me is the issue. Not so much the hard tackles and the pass. Now, I think his pass has been okay, to be fair. I can't remember him like massively losing the ball. But it's the fact he can't get around the pitch. And that's a bit of a concern when you're a footballer. I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack. That when he was at his best form before the injury, um, he, Liverpool lost him when they're probably in their form of the season. And he's come back in when they're looking tired as a unit themselves. And it's almost like, I said it for a couple of players on this podcast, you take him for granted as well. And I think his teammates take him for granted because it's easy to forget that as good as he played in that first half of the season, Liverpool weren't getting the clean sheets. It was only when Jordan Henderson stepped into that number six role that they started looking more secure defensively overall. And maybe that was part of the, oh, we've got to almost try a bit harder. We've got to be switched on a bit more because Fabinho is so good as a number six that they've got to compensate for not having him. And then when he's, they've lost uh, Henderson, he's almost been thrown in at the deep end. You've got to be up to back to speed here. We need you at that level there. And he's got to get up to the pace again. And maybe the, his teammates have gone, because they've got that faith in him from what they've seen before, they can not do what they were giving the, him the extra sport like they were giving Henderson, if that makes sense. So it's a hard one for him to call to get back up to speed. And also, if we want to touch on the mid-season break, it's probably come at the wrong time for him as well. Like it's not just um, game time training and that you want that momentum and Liverpool did lose a bit by having that couple of weeks off away from training and that. Fabinho to still not be at his best after so long, 
it's a hard one for them to come to terms with when your team aren't playing well. Yeah, the point is as well, with Atletico coming on Wednesday, no player on that pitch can not be at 100%. I don't think they can afford to let Fabinho have another game to get up to speed. I think they probably had, they were probably, I think Klopp's probably given him so much game time to get him up to speed for Atletico, with Atletico in mind. And obviously, with, with that being the case, it's just, I don't think you can play him. I would have dropped him for this weekend. I'd have had Wijnaldum as number six. Um, so if that was the case for the weekend against Bournemouth, I'd imagine it's going to be the same. Like if you've got Jordan Henderson back, you're not going, if he's fit enough to start, you're not going to have him on the bench with Fabinho the way he's playing at the moment. It's just who you go for that overall package. But then Liverpool players, they have got that quality to turn it on when they need to. It could be one of those nights for him. But it's a big gamble to make either way. Yeah, it's obviously a big decision for Klopp Kai. Um, as, as so many Anfield nights have gone past, players produce their most special performances on this sort of occasion. Yeah. But if you were Klopp, would you gamble with Fabinho? Or do you think, actually, with the games coming up that have sewn up the Premier League, that's when you can get him back up to the speed and just head into a new season? Yeah, I think you're right. I think if Henderson's fit and at 100%, you start him as the defensive midfielder. There's, as Dorley was saying, there's so many options. There's You've got Chamberlain, Milner, Cater, there's just one album, obviously. I, I don't think you need to, you don't have to play Fabinho. At the start of the season, he was arguably the first name on the tee sheet. But I think I would go with Henderson, one album plus one for me. Yeah. We'll come on to a full team selector in a minute. But, Dolly, what are you expecting from the game? And Atletico, by all accounts, are a little bit concerned, aren't they? <laughs> They are because of what happened to them last year. They played, for anybody who doesn't know, they played Juventus at this stage of the Champions League 12 months ago and won the first game 2-0. And that was the one where Diego Simeone um, celebrated somewhat uh, animatedly <laughs> towards... I don't know who it was towards. Was it to the Juventus yeah, bench or his own fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, uh, you'll have to watch it. You'll have to watch it, but he, he, he demonstrated his cojones, as they say. Um, <laughs> Circus Masters back at it. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, they lost 3-0. You went to, I'm pretty sure didn't Ronaldo's got a hat trick? Pretty sure he did. Did he? Yeah, Our producer? Did, yeah. We had, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got up yeah. in the arts up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we got the green light there for a hat trick for Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> but you know, Liverpool only one nil down. The thing is, it's that, oh, they didn't score the away goal, did they? And I think with it being so close, I can't see Atletico Madrid doing anything other than what they did in the first game. Because I think the way that the game, even when they scored so early, they probably automatically thought, right, we just don't want to concede a goal now, this game and the next one. So the, the game plan is not going to change at all, I don't think. For 177 Do, minutes. What will, de- what will depend on how they approach the game, though, is whether that how Felix plays, or Jao Felix, I should say, and uh, and Diego Costa, because I believe Morata might be injured. And, yeah. you know, Costa will... It's an interesting one with Costa, because it could work one or two ways. Just being him being Diego Costa could wind up the crowd so much that they as the referee did on Saturday it gives Liverpool a boost because he's just so annoying or it could be that annoying that he actually has a big impact on the way Liverpool defend and suddenly Liverpool step back a little bit because they're a bit concerned that he might actually do something he's one more of the only for, strikers yeah, exactly, yeah. saying go for Van Dijk yeah he literally physically just jumped at him, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, and Van Dyke was like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> then he tried to, off, off then the he tried to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tried to apologise and Van Dyke's like, get lost. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on, especially with Henderson as well. Henderson and Costa have got a bit of previous, although I would imagine Costa can't even remember, you know, because he's got so many other things going. He's, he's got, got previous scrap, with absolutely everybody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody. So 
I can't see Atletico being any different to what they are. I do think they might have a little bit more attacking threat because of the players we've mentioned. I think that's something that obviously Simeone will look at because he knows. He'll think, if we score one goal here, it's over because there's no way Liverpool are going to score three. And But I reckon Liverpool go into the game thinking, we need to score three. But they'll do it like they've done so many times, stage at a time. You know, let's get the first goal. Let's see how we're going. Let's get to half time. All right, okay. Let's see whether we get the second goal. Okay, now we're ahead. Now what are we going to do? And when we come to the team, that'll, that's going to influence my team that I'd pick. Yeah, of course. Obviously, we saw against Barcelona in the Champions League last year, Liverpool scored three goals yeah. in the second half. And so that's we're talking about taking it stage by stage. By I think stage, it's really. a bit different, though, because against Barcelona, let's be brutally honest, nobody thought they had any chance of doing it. And it was like, oh, we scored one, let's see what happens. Oh, we scored a second one. Oh, hang on, it's 3 0. You know, there won't be anything like that because all the crowd will turn up thinking, no, we've got a great chance. Bit by yeah, bit, yeah, if they're going yeah. to get anything from this and progress in the And that's time. why Atletico will look at it and go, the entire game is one bit don't concede and he's the best team in the world at being annoying and not conceding probably them if maybe not if you look at this season as a whole but over the last couple of years certainly in Europe the only the good thing for Liverpool is that let's come with his away record in the in the knockout stage is absolutely rubbish compared to the home one so they very very rarely score but they've had quite a few nil nils so it will be the onus as we knew from the final whistle at the Wanda Metropolitano a couple of weeks ago when me and Kai were there that it's going to be on Liverpool to score at least one get it to extra time or penalties and then see where they go from there well they've never lost the home Champions League knockout match have they so that's who Liverpool Atletico oh Atletico sorry yeah so that speaks volumes yes but the club's never lost a knockout tie exactly exactly what I was going to say yeah. 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 well they both be happy won't they yeah. Yeah. that's about how it somebody works somebody yeah. yeah. um, <laughs> Liverpool going to need a fast start I think yeah they're going to they've got a fast start against Barcelona if we want to mention that one I'm really nervous about this one, if I'm going to be honest, just because Liverpool in Europe like being the underdogs, but Atletico probably the best you're going to get at being underdogs. And I reckon they'll score. And then it is just, what can Liverpool do? Liverpool have to get that advantage over them early on. They have to make that first mark. They can't be playing catch up here. It's one of those where Atletico will know how to play this game. Granted, we said with um, their history from last year, how they messed that up and they're fearful of doing that. It's similar to Barcelona, how they had, was it Roma? Roma, yeah. And then they did that. But it's just very different when you're expecting to win and when you're the underdog. And Liverpool have had that in their favour so many times in the past. And I think when you think back to the post-match comments after the first the first game, you had players, you had Klopp all going, yeah, but Anfield, 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 they're going on about it so much. It's almost like there was a slight nerves in their mind as well because it sounded a bit different to what we'd seen before. It'd almost been rattled. So it's going to be very important who gains that upper hand in the first 15, 20 minutes and takes control of the game to how they can control the match, see it out. Because if Atletico get an early goal, they're going to feel confident. You know they're away fans if they're allowed to travel. They're going to be very loud. It's a very hard one to call. I think one thing that <clears throat> kind of the way Liverpool reacted at the end of the game contributed to it was Atletico Madrid's celebrations at the final whistle where they did a lap of honour. Mm. It looked like they'd won. And I think the players clogged onto that. And of course, the last team to do that against Liverpool in a, in a European game was Villarreal, who celebrated because they scored, fair enough, in the last minute in the semi-final of the Europa League. And Klopp noted that, used it as part of his build-up to the you know motivation for the second leg. And Liverpool won 3-0. Anfield blew them away and... We got to the final. We won't mention the final. But <laughs> yeah. We got to the final. Yeah. Andy Robertson came out, didn't he, straight after the game on TV, yeah. saying they're, they're celebrating like they've won. Yeah, Van Dijk did it, and Klopp said it as well in the press conference. So that will have lodged in the, the collective brains of the people at Liverpool. Do you share the nerves, Guy? 
Yes. <laughs> um, we we can't be in a position where you're tuning up with 10 minutes to go because it's, it's, yeah, they, they get a goal and obviously we need three. They're going to fancy a goal. Um, no clean sheet in five now for Liverpool. Alisson, despite all of Adrian's, yeah. you know, Adrian's obviously a great second keeper, he's going to be a huge, huge miss. And if, it'd be interesting to see whether that impacts the way they play at all. Um, they might think with Adrian they got a better chance of scoring. It might prompt them to come out a little bit more, try and nick one, and might give Liverpool some more space to get in behind. But Costa's just going to leather everything straight at Adrian. I don't, I don't think that Liverpool are going to be getting in behind in this game at all. I think they're going to play through them. Even if they play the likes of Costa and Felix, I think they'll just that bank of four with two sat in front and then to say, say to the other players, do what you want. It's not going to be one for the purists, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be Barcelona, let's put it that way. Barcelona came, didn't they, uh, in the semi-final and came to play and had a couple of chances, but it's not going to be like that. Get ready to be frustrated think, and annoyed. Do you think Alisson being missing will change the way Liverpool play? Do you think it will change the way Atletico play? Or do you think, so I'm thinking maybe perhaps the defence might need to help Adrian out a little bit more than they would have helped out Alisson? In a way, no, because I can't see Atletico having a million shots. It's not like the Barcelona game where you would have missed him. Um, I think they will have, obviously, they'll have, they'll, they'll have a go, certainly at set pieces. That's one thing Liverpool have to be careful of, of defending because, you know, they got quite, the last time they conceded the goal, wasn't it? The first, even that was lucky, wasn't it? Let's be honest. But set piece concession, so. They can have like Costa standing on Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they got, they got quite a few big lumps in the team. So I think that's where Atletico will be a threat. I mean, I'm just interested to see what their team is, to be honest, as much as Liverpool's, because that'll tell us a bit more about the way the game's going to go. I think you made a good point about Costa there. I think the the one thing you don't want to do or need to do on a European IAM field is feed the crowd or give them any reason to be any more upbeat than they're going to be. And Diego Costa is going to play right into Liverpool's hands with that. Suarez did it last... OK, totally different. Suarez did yeah, it just by still. being Suarez and doing what I actually thought at the time was, you know, well, look, he celebrated a goal. Fair enough. You know what I mean? He's playing for Barcelona, but then... That kind of fed into the, you know, the, I hate to say the word narrative, but I'm about to, narrative of that whole game. But I, just, I don't think it's going to be like the Barcelona again. It's going to be something completely different. And it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be like a proper old school European. I could easily see it being 1 0 and going to extra time. And then, you know, it's like, basically, it's like the Chelsea games again from about 10, 15 years ago. Going to be an interesting and nervy game for sure. The ever optimistic me is also a tiny bit nervous. Sorry, You're nervous? A little bit. I'm not nervous. It's the game of football. Well, I just don't want Liverpool to lose, do I, to be honest? <laughs> I don't want to score the Champions League, so you could, at least that's why. At least you'll be in there in a few weeks. No one will be able to watch the games anyway. No, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Well, that leads me on perfectly <laughs> to coronavirus. The under-23s were supposed to be playing tomorrow, weren't they? Yes. But that game has been called off. Because Wolfsburg, who they were meant to be playing in the Premier League International Cup, were reluctant to travel because they would rather stay safe in Wolfsburg, where it seems though there is no imminent threats so rather than chance it they've said stay put and it's fair enough one of the 110 people in the UK might now do, let's them. not let's not do this yeah you know. let's not get into the biggest no. reaction ever no it's not it's not no reaction it's not no reaction anyway let's talk teams obviously Adrian is in goal um, Andy Lonergan Champions League debut well I mean he's probably going to be on the bench isn't he will he? be on the bench he so, will be on yeah Costello's yeah. injured yeah it's another big night That's for him. That's the thought that you get a red card or some injury to Adrian and Lonergan's playing Champions League knockout against Atletico Madrid. Goes penalties and he's there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this could be, could be such a big night for Lonergan. Lots of snap analysis done anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, the defence, I think, we yeah. all know the four. Lovren and Matip, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lovren and Matip, can't wait to see it. And the they midfield is where I think all the questions are because the front three are going to be the front three, mm. clearly. Everyone's in agreement. Go to, the, go to these first. Okay. 
the midfield three. Theodore. Sebastian. Uh, Barnaby. Barnaby. Alexander. <laughs> David Mark. He's got a couple of them, doesn't he? Oxlade, Chamberlain. Jorginho, uh, Wijnaldum. Yeah. And James Milner. I don't want to risk Henderson. I don't think he's going to be 100%. Ox, Ginny, Milner. Yeah. And Fabinho. He's, I don't want to take that gamble. Though it is a gamble not playing him. It's a big call. Take your time. Henderson, if he's fit. Wijnaldum and Oxley chamberlain Because we're behind, we're going to be chasing the game. Yeah, Henderson definitely plays me. I know you want to go last because you're going to throw like a curveball in here. <laughs> he's playing Trent in midfield. I think, <laughs> I think Henderson's got to play, I think, mentally for Atletico. That's such a massive name on the team sheet. They'll know exactly what he's like. He's one in their faces in that game. Milner, I think you need a little bit of Milner against something. You need a bit of that nitty-gritty attitude. Um, the third spot is a really interesting one for me. I think, obviously, Oxley chamberlain has played really well when he's come into the team. And he's, he's proved that he can do, you know, be really consistent and put a really consistent performance in. But I think every time Cater has played in Europe, he's played really well. I think the Bayern Munich game, I think of Barcelona before he got injured. So he's coming into my side. Okay, I was going to put Milner in, but I actually think the way the game goes, he's good to bring on in the second half because if Liverpool want to protect a lead, he'd be good to introduce. That's also why Fabinho is not starting. So I'm going to go with Jorginho, Wijnaldum, Jordanium, Henderson and Nabulus Cater. I agree. I think he's 52.75 million. Let's throw him in there and see what he does. I think Liverpool... They can't go with Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum against Letico Madrid because that, that was the first game and they didn't work. Yeah. It's going to be completely the same. So they need something a bit different. Cater, surely, has to... Surely, prove a point. Well, not prove a point. He just has to be fit for 90 minutes. Because yeah. even if he gets... 120. To go, that I, gonna say, I was about to say, even <laughs> yeah. if he goes to 120, Liverpool can make the subs. Is it four subs, by the way? Yeah, you get an extra... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. basically, there's there's every chance you're going to see Milner, Leilane, Fabinho. Who's the good penalty takers? Milner's obviously one. Yeah. Fabinho. Fabinho. Lallana? Well, honestly, yeah, Salah. Salah. Yeah. Actually, uh, sorry, Alexander Arnold. He's another one. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. they've got enough pen. Not Manny, though. No. Not Manny. You're not trusting no. him. No, 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 no. Be- Stay away. Before we conclude, <laughs> I would like some score predictions. I'll come to you first. Oh, right. Well, ah. Right. Let's come to the going to score. I agree. Uh, I think it's going to be 2 1, so Liverpool are out. Sorry. Ty? Liverpool are going to concede. So, but we're going to go through. 3 1. Big game. Liverpool are going to concede, so now all three of us have said that. It's a clean sheet and a breeze. Uh, Liverpool are going out. They can't reach the final every year. I'm sorry, football fans. That's not how it works. 1-0. Wow, well, we've killed him here. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've won the Premier League. That's it. Wow. That's, yeah, you'd have you'd seen yourself at the start of the season. I and agree. I agree if Letico score. I think it's a massive uphill battle for Liverpool to score three against one of the best defences in Europe. You're going to say five. But I'm going to say 3-1 anyway, because <laughs> <laughs> I love it. hope you're right. Anyway, we will be live from that game on the Echo website where you can follow every single kick if you haven't got one of the main TV channels. And we will be back on Friday to discuss, hopefully, a Liverpool win and a sensational progression after City get beaten by Arsenal in the league and everything is a wonderful, wonderful picture. <laughs> and Andy Gonnigan's getting a statue. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.